Hey, look out. It's the Waste and Safety Compliance Podcast with Ron Harvey, your host. And today, I want to talk about something really exciting. I'm going to talk about respiratory protection. Why is respiratory protection so important? Because you want to protect your employees and because OSHA will beat the crap out of you if you don't do it. So I'll tell you how to do it because the respiratory protection uh, uh, regulations are pretty complex. If you just sit down and read them, you're going to have a heck of a time trying to understand them. So I'm going to outline them here for you today to help you become better at what you have to do. What is respiratory protection? Respiratory protection, very simply, is to protect the employees from the atmospheric hazards in the workplace. So um, there are many different forms that respiratory uh, protection takes, and that's because there are many different forms of atmospheric hazards. Uh, chemical vapors being probably the most uh, the most common, uh, whether you're using a stripper chemical of some kind, or if you're uh, uh, degreasing a surface, or um, there's a, a million other applications where your employees are potentially exposed to volatile chemicals. Um, dusts are another very common uh, atmospheric hazard in the in the workplace. Uh, and that would result from grinding operations, sanding operations, um, other things like that that get dusts up into the air, into the you know around the employees so that they can actually be breathed in. That's kind of the definition of an atmospheric hazard: is something that is in the air that can breathe that can be uh, breathed in by the employee and that can actually make them sick or injure them physically. Um, mists are another common form of, uh, of atmospheric hazard if you're spray painting or using some other spray application where you would aerosolize a liquid and get it in the air and that's called a mist. Uh, smokes and fumes are another uh, less common um, but most frequently found in um, uh, let's say welding operations or uh, some kind of burning operation. Anything that uses high heat can generate smoke and fumes. Uh, low oxygen is another um, common uh, atmospheric hazard in some uh, situations that a lot of people aren't aware of. The fact, the fact, it's actually a lack of something in the atmosphere that your employees need to uh, live. Would in this particular case, oxygen, very important thing. Okay, the employer has responsibilities. If the employees are exposed to atmospheric hazards, the employer must do two primary things. The first one is to attempt to reduce the atmospheric hazards. Um, that can be done by substituting uh, a hazardous chemical that gets into the air with a less hazardous chemical or even a non-hazardous chemical. Um, it can also be done by uh, ventilation is another common method to uh, reduce the atmospheric hazards in the workplace. 
Now, if that's impractical or impossible, like it would be in some cases, the other that the next step that you have to take is to provide uh, respiratory uh, protective equipment for your employees and ensure that they use them because providing them uh, the equipment and them actually using them to protect themselves can be two very different stories. Okay, so you begin the process by by a workplace assessment. You go through your workplace, you look for operations that can get um, different uh, substances up into the air that can be breathed by the employees. Like I said, chemical vapors, dusts, mists, smoke, anything like that um, that can get into the air, be breathed in, is an atmospheric hazard. So you need to identify all those sources and then once you know what the sources are, what the operations are, then you need to determine the actual level of exposure that your employee is, uh, is exposed to. Um, that can be a little more difficult and there's a couple of different ways to do it, but um, we'll just kind of leave it there for the moment. Okay. Um, the, um, let's see here. Exposure limits. An exposure limit is the established um, the established concentration of an atmospheric hazard the, above which respiratory protective equipment is required. Now, all respiratory hazards have exposure limits. They've been established by NIOSH. Um, and uh, that they, uh, NIOSH publishes a really, really informative, handy little guide. It's kind of technical, but it, it, it covers a lot of different materials. It's called the NIOSH Pocket Guide to Chemical Hazards. Um, it's actually available online. You can download it as a PDF for free. It is an awesome reference. Uh, like I said, pretty technical, but if you want to know something about atmospheric hazards of a particular chemical, that information is going to be in there. And of course, um, uh, exposure limits are going to be listed on your MSDSs for the chemicals as well. But sometimes those aren't available for substances, like if you're grinding on uh, cement or something. Um, you're not going to find an MSDS uh, from, your, uh, from, uh, from the supplier for your cement. Well, I don't know, maybe you would, find, you would be able to get one, but it isn't going to be able to give you the kind of information you might need to determine uh, exposure. Okay, so these exposure limits are published in numerical standards. Um, OSHA has adopted a, a whole series of, of, of exposure limits. Um, they come in several different forms. Again, it's a little technical. I told you respiratory, protect, uh, respiratory protection is a technical uh, topic. Um, uh, the highest uh, level that, uh, that OSHA publishes, and these are, by the way, enforceable limits. Um, if OSHA comes in and they actually do the testing uh, on your employees and they find out that, you're being, that they're being exposed at high levels, you're going to have to do some answering uh, for that. But um, one of the, the, the highest level that is published is the IDLH level, immediately dangerous to life and health is what that stands for. Um, that is usually a pretty high limit for normal chemicals. And um, above that limit, 
you've got to have your uh, people in some very uh, specialized protective equipment. Um, you don't want to go there. Um, I would certainly recommend some engineering controls uh, if you have those kind of levels. Um, the most common uh, respiratory, the, the, the most common exposure limit published by OSHA is called the PEL, the Permissible Exposure Limit. This is considered the lower limit of exposure. Um, if your employees are being exposed be to a chemical below that PEL, then technically they don't need to have respiratory uh, protective equipment. If they're being exposed above that, then we're starting to talk about the need for respiratory protection. Um, there's another one published by OSHA, the short-term exposure limit, um, which is higher than the PEL but lower than the IDLH because OSHA recognizes that um, if your employees have a specific operation that is only performed uh, occasionally throughout the day, then it made sense to have this short-term exposure limit, which is, I believe, uh, a 15-minute exposure limit, whereas the PEL is an eight-hour exposure limit. Um, so the, 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 uh, the important thing to, to remember here is that if during the workplace assessment you've discovered that your employees are being exposed to a, uh, a particular chemical, now you have to find those exposure limits so that you can begin the process of determining uh, what kind of respiratory protection they might need. Okay, there are two primary types of respirators that are available. Um, there are air purifying respirators and there are air supplying respirators. The air supplying respirators, um, the ones that you are most going to be, uh, are you most likely uh, familiar with are the SCBAs, uh, self-contained breathing apparatus. You've seen them on firefighters. You've seen them on hazmat guys. Um, you've seen, I mean, it's essentially a scuba, um, uh, a scuba outfit that you don't go underwater with. I don't think they're rated for that. Um, there are other uh, air supplying respirator types. Um, there are systems where you have a compressor that actually uh, pumps air um, through lines. Um, those lines are connected to a face piece and you can, um, uh, you can walk around, do whatever kind of activities. And you, this compressor is obviously outside of the area where the contaminated air is pumping clean air in and so that your employees can, can breathe uncontaminated air. Um, there's another way to do that same kind of process, and that's to use tanks, which are usually the, uh, the five-foot um, uh, air tanks of breathing-grade air, and you hook up your system to that, set up a regulator, <coughs> excuse me, and then that, um, that supplies air to your employees through a face piece. Now, um, air purifying respirators are the ones that are far more commonly used um, because they're uh, made for lower levels of exposure. Um, dust masks are um, uh, figured by OSHA as a air purifying respirator. A lot of people don't know that, but dust masks are considered respirators. Um, Let's see, there are half-face respirators, which pretty much just cover your nose and your mouth, and then full-face respirators cover your entire face, and including your nose and your mouth, and then PAPRs are, uh, are another type of respirator where the, um, 
instead of you having to suck air into the respirator, there's a small pump set up that pushes air into your respirators. Um, those are actually uh, really neat uh, little setups. They're a little bulky and they're quite a bit more expensive than your average um, uh, uh, air purifying respirator. Now, air purifying respirators use filters to, to remove the contaminants from the air. Now, it's really important to recognize the fact that when um, your employees are being exposed to an atmospheric hazard, you give them one of these air purifying respirators and this respirator is actually taking the contaminated air, you're, you're in the contaminated air, you're breathing the contaminated air through a filter and that filter um, removes a pretty good portion of those contaminants. Um, generally accepted, that it removes about 90% of the contaminants in the air. So don't think that if you put a, a full face respirator on somebody that um, they are now breathing, you know, pristine, pure air. Um, they are still being exposed, but um, at a much, much lower level than the atmosphere that's outside the respirator. So that's a, a really important thing uh, to remember. Now, there are different cartridges that are used for air purifying respirators. Um, there are actually quite a variety. Uh, some of them are made for, uh, some respirator cartridges are made to uh, absorb um, organic compounds, volatile uh, chemicals out of the air. Some are made to absorb acid gases like hydrochloric uh, acid uh, vapors or nitric acid. Some are made to remove uh, ammonia and amines uh, from the atmosphere. And some are made just for particulates. Uh, there are also some other um, specialized ones like mercury, for instance. There's a cartridge made just to absorb mercury out of the air. Let's see. Now, respirator cartridges do not last forever. Um, and that is something that a lot of people overlook. OSHA actually specifies the fact that if you use filters to filter the air for your respirator, for, for your employees, you need to establish a change out program. Um, you, you have to tell the employees, okay, after every shift, you will put, put in a new uh, set of uh, cartridges. Or after every hour, you will put in a new cartridge. Or after every week, um, you have to set a time period, and that's based on the concentration in the air and the capacity of the filter to absorb um, those, uh, those contaminants. So um, the, the, the reason, of course, is because um, these filters can get clogged if there are particulates in the air and you're trying to absorb uh, organic vapors, um, the particulates will eventually clog the surface of the filter and you, your, your employees have a much harder time breathing then. Um, now also, it, since it's a filter, it becomes saturated. It's just like um, on, your, uh, on your car, you've got an air filter and if it gets clogged up with a whole bunch of stuff, your engine can't breathe. So uh, it's the same, same kind of concept. Now, one of the most important things to remember about, um, about cartridges in uh, air purifying respirators is that they, they do not supply oxygen. Surprisingly enough, some people think they do. Um, but the bottom line is, is that if you have an oxygen deficient atmosphere, 
you cannot use air purifying respirators because they do not supply oxygen. Um, and uh, as I mentioned, you know, the change out schedule or an end of service life indicator for a cartridge is, is important. Very few of them actually do supply what, what OSHA classifies as an end of service life indicator. Um, but uh, so, so then you have to, you have to establish a, um, uh, a period over which um, that, rest, that cartridge is, is uh, useful and a, period, uh, a point at which it has to be changed out. Okay, <clears throat> now we get a little more technical. Um, gotta love that. Um, okay, respirator protection factors. OSHA has assigned each type of respirator a specific number and that number is called the assigned protection factor. Um, the assigned protection factor is really just kind of a general um, uh, rating in terms of the level of protection a specific kind of, uh, of uh, respirator will provide. Now, uh, well, let's see, the list um, that, that, that they publish is, is pretty simple. Dust masks, the average, you know, dust mask that you see people wearing at, at work or home or wherever, um, have a protection factor of 10. That's it, just the number 10, there's no units attached to it. Um, a half-face respirator has the same protection factor of 10. Uh, Full-face respirators have a protection factor of 50. And then there are several other types of respirators that have higher levels, but the, the highest level of protection that, uh, that you can get with a respirator is, is with an SCBA operated properly will give you a protection factor of 10,000. So that's so you can see just generally on the scale of the the uh, degree of protection, a half-face respirator is pretty much the bottom of the line, and then a full-face respirator is quite a bit more protective. SCBAs top of the line. You're you're hardly going to get exposed to anything wearing an SCBA. So um, now we get to use that number to help you determine. Um, what kind of respirator you need in the workplace. Um, OSHA, back in 2006, uh, came, uh, uh, they revised the respiratory protection um, standard to include a new, um, a new term called MUC. Um, the MUC um, is called, the M-U-C is what it's called, um, is the maximum user concentration. Okay, this is a number that you have to calculate. It's a very easy calculation, you'll see. Um, but that uh, you use then the, um, the information that you've already gathered with um, the type of respirator that you plan on providing to determine if that is adequate respiratory protection for that specific, um, uh, for that specific circumstance. So um, when you go to choose the right respirator, there are three things you need to know. You need to know the contaminant, okay, the atmospheric contaminant, um, whether it's a chemical or a dust, uh, like cotton dust um, is, a, is not a chemical, it's a substance. Um, silica is another one. Um, there are asbestos being another substance, but there's lots of chemicals as well, acetone, chromium, mercury, whatever. Um, 
So once you know the contaminant, then you need to um, uh, look up the PEL of that contaminant. You can find that in the NIOSH book. Um, then once you, um, and then you need to know the protection factor for the respirator that you plan to use. And now you can calculate the MUC, the maximum user concentration. Very simple. The MUC equals the protection factor times the PEL. So for, as an example, if you're using a half-face respirator with a protection factor of 10, the if your uh, employee is, is being exposed to toluene, which has a PEL of 200 parts per million, your MUC is simply the, the product of the two, the protection factor times the PEL, which gives you a MUC of 2,000 parts per million. What that is telling you is that um, your, uh, if your employees are being exposed to less than 2,000 um, uh, parts per million of toluene in that operation, whatever operation they're doing, then the half-face respirator is adequate protection under those circumstances. Now, if um, you were being exposed to higher levels, um, then you would need to use a respirator with a, um, a higher protection factor. Or, of course, the better, better option would be to remove some of the uh, contamination from the air uh, mechanically. But um, the muck, then, is the maximum concentration of toluene in the air at 2,000 parts per million with which uh, a, re a half-face respirator will be adequate respiratory protection. Got it? I mean, it's really pretty simple. Okay, um, so we're going to review. Always a good idea. Employers must protect their employees from the atmospheric hazards in the workplace. Um, to do that, you have to perform a workplace assessment to determine the employee exposure. Once you have determined that you have that your employees are required to use respirator, uh, respiratory protective equipment, then you have to develop a written plan according to the requirements in, in that standard. You have to determine what kind of respirator they're going to use. And that's based obviously on the type of chemicals they're exposed to and the levels of exposure. Okay, well, that is about as quick as you can go through the respiratory standard um, for uh, OSHA at 29 CFR 19, no, it's not 1910, it's 29 CFR 134. Okay, so again, my name's Ron Harvey. If you would like to learn more about uh, respiratory protective uh, equipment and the, respir uh, the respirator standard, how to protect your employees, how to maintain compliance with that program, you can give me a call. Uh, my phone number is 843-599-0330. You can send me an email at ron, well, let's try this one, info, I-N-F-O, at echelonenvironmental.net. That's E C H. E-L-O-N-E-N-V-I-R-O-N-M-E-N-T-A-L dot N-E-T. 
All right. Thank you very much for uh, for listening to the to the waste and safety compliance podcast today. I hope uh, that it has been enlightening. I hope that I've clarified um, some of the requirements for the respiratory protection. And I hope that you subscribe to my channel and that you come by for the next lesson. All right. Thank you very much. Take care. Goodbye.